back on Wednesday. Time for Closets Are for Clothes on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The next hour is going to be bursting with news, reviews, and interviews for the TBLG community, our friends, families, and allies. And we are your hosts, the cool kids. Dan. Meredith. Christy. And Greg. Thanks for joining us. Let's go. Welcome to Closets Are for Clothes. It's Wednesday, August 9th. 2006, if you're paying attention and keeping track of those kinds of things. I'm Christy. Dan is not here. Meredith moved away. Greg is missing in action. So I conned my lovely partner, Danielle, into co-hosting the show with me tonight. Hello. Hello. And we have an extra special guest that our baby Charlotte is here also. She can't say hello because she's only three months old. But she may talk and chatter along with us as we go. Um, So... We are going to have a pretty sedate show tonight. We're going to talk for a minute, and then we're going to be talking to Jody Longobardo, a former Miss Pittsburgh Leather, about um, BDSM. So, and if you don't know what that is, you just have to stay tuned to find out. Though I would caution that it is not for children. I mean, little children are fine, but maybe you don't want your seven-year-old listening, perhaps. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. So, how are you, Danielle? I'm doing okay. Not too much is going on for me, other than trying to be a mom and trying to work and balance all those things. It's quite challenging. I don't, not sure how people do this every day, all day, but I with think multiple kids. That's, yeah. See, that's where I'm lost. I know. I can't imagine. When they, and the older kids who have activities to do, like you got to take them to soccer and ballet and drawing class or whatever and you have to make sure they eat and sleep and right and do those things for yourself Do those things for yourself too we were just actually talking earlier today that we noticed when we spend the whole day with charlotte by ourselves that we end up not eating very much right right it's just kind of hard to get it in there Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to prepare things to eat right so you end up eating whatever is already cooked in the house which chips and luna bars and exactly which Maybe may not or may so. not be the best food for you, but right. provides some, it, you know, keeps your makes, stomach from right. eating itself. Exactly. Basically. Keeps your stomach from turning inside out. <laughs> yeah. So anything exciting happened to you this week? Anything interesting you want to talk about? I wouldn't say interesting, but as I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> I was ba- I am back at work, um, you know, and part of my job, I, I work in administration, so I often have to deal with with uh, patient complaints and I got a very interesting complaint from a patient earlier this week Um, she called and her main deal was that she wanted to speak with someone there who was at least 50 which was a tall order given uh, that I work at Planned Parenthood and we employ a lot of young people Mm -hmm. Um, not that we only service young people we do service a you know wide range of people but it it happens to be a job that is Mostly held by younger folks. Yes. And jobs there. Yes, yes. So it was uh, quite a challenge meeting her needs. I, I don't, I'm not sure that I ever did, but I was unable to identify anyone that literally worked in the clinic um, that I, I was sure was at least 50. So I, I hope she got what she needed, but um, it was kind of a tall order. And yeah. I never quite had that complaint before. Um so something to keep in mind yeah. when we're doing future hiring. Right, right. <laughs> Definitely something to keep in mind. 
another way to consider diversity. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, by the way. I know oh, you're, yeah. I know sorry. you're new at this. So, <laughs> yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a li- I'm tired. We've been having a little hard time getting enough sleep. All three of us at our house. Um, yes. The last couple of days, not because of anything in particular, just trying to get everything we need to do done. Yeah. Um, and Tuesday nights like our busiest night of the week and. Charlotte got to bed really late last night and has been very crabby today. So, yeah, but she's got something to say about she it. She does. She's got to tell us about ourselves. Yes, but, you know, last does. night I had the best golf of my life of, of since the golf league started. I golfed really, really well. Right on. I'm also not going to, still not going to say what my score was because I never do. But um, it was really good golf for me. And I think that it's only getting better. How many strokes of improvement? How much improvement was noted? Almost over your first? twenty. That's impressive. over my very first night of golf to last night. Um, That's impressive. <laughs> Charlotte's making her feelings known in yes. many ways. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's a pretty good improvement, I think, from week one to whatever this is, week eight or nine. We have three more weeks of golf, the league, but you know we can play golf almost into december mm-hmm. um although my golfing buddy kelly keeps telling me she's gonna golf in the winter wow i don't know if i'm going to golf in the winter she may be golfing by herself do they actually per you know uh keep the greens up no no they, they let them stay they're covered with snow oh so it's so this is actually done yeah absolutely pine wow. view where the golf course where our league is at actually is open year round interesting and they um you just you have to use obviously colored balls, right? Um, because you couldn't ever find your white one. But you play in the snow, and uh, they they basically I think that they may shovel off the greens mm-hmm. where the holes are, mm-hmm. but everything else is still left covered. Wow, I'm not sure I'm up for that. It gets pretty cold here sometimes. So it's like I mean, extreme golf. It or is something. sort of like it's like winter weird and. It's Michigan mm-hmm. golf is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's Michigan golf. You know, I would, if it were a nice day, you know, say in the 40s or 50s in December, I'd totally golf. Yeah. But I don't think that I could golf if I had to wear a parka. Yeah. Your swing would be affected, I, I, I can imagine. I definitely think your swing would be affected. You know, your, as they say, your triangle would be off. So, you know, we've had many discussions about these sho- these special shoes you wear. Yes. and I, I can only imagine what shoes you'd need for snow golf. I don't know if you would need special shoes for snow golf. You might could get away <laughs> with just wearing your regular snow boots. Yeah. Or drilling holes and putting spikes in your boots or something like that. Um, So... I don't know if you'd need extra special shoes. We have to see. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I'm always up for buying golf gear. Of course, yes, yes. So if I I'm need special shoes, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. You, you know better than anybody else. Speaking of which, you know the big golf sale is this week, oh, and I yes. will be going to it at some point soon to hopefully get some things. I made a list yesterday at golf, and we were discussing actually yesterday at the golf league how unfortunate it is. Unfortunate it is that we're the only gays in our learning golf league. Oh, are you really? Yeah, and I find that odd. Are you Um, sure? Well, no. Of 
of course I'm not sure. Well, and the thing is, is that this is a golf club. So there's, you know, hundreds of members. Right. There's only like 20 or 30 people on my specific You league. probably are in the only one with no, no, no other gays. No gays. Yeah. I'm sure that there are gays. It's, you know, come on. It it's is women's golf. golf. Yes. Yes. But we all, we joke about how gay we make it. We try to make it gayer every week by mm-hmm. like making some comment about softball or something. You know, just try to gay it up because it's golf and it should be a little more, for women, it should be a little more gay than it is. But. So what sorts of things did you do this week? Well, we mostly flirted with each other. That seemed to work a lot because it. You know, it makes the, and not in any kind of gross way. It wasn't like we were talking about body parts or anything like mm-hmm. that. It was just sort of, you know, like, oh, you deserve a kiss for that putt. You know, silly stuff like ah, that. I see. And so just to try and see if, and, you know, the people we were playing against, you know, would give us a sidelong glance for a second and then move on. And I think it's working, but I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll see. Did it feel gayer when you it left? It felt gayer. It did feel gayer. <laughs> it did. It's not, I mean, we do, it's funny because we have like these little, our golf bags and then we have these bead counters to counter strokes and they totally match, you know, and then we each have, now we both have hats from that golf course that match our golf bags and we just find that a little super gay. It is super gay. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Well, you are definitely doing your part. Thank you mm-hmm. for noticing. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> so we are fortunate enough to be joined by Keith Orr now from Common Language um, to talk probably about some books, but maybe a few other things as well. We'll see what happens. Um, and it's been, it seems like it's been longer than a month since you were here. Is that true? It is true. Okay. It, it was, is And true. that was entirely my fault. I have no idea <laughs> what happened last month. I, I picked up my voicemail the next day, and there was Dan asking, Now, you'll be there tonight, won't you? And uh, from the day before, and I, and I hadn't listened to my voicemail, and just, I missed it. Well, that's okay. You know, and tonight you made it without a reminder call. This so. is true. In fact, I was calling Dan to make sure, do you still want me? <laughs> of course we still want you and, here. And, uh, uh, and of course got no response. Right, he's because he's camping. He's in Canada. Wow, like some place where, where there are no cell phones. Where there such. are no cell phones, apparently. He's at some gay campgrounds in Ontario. Of course he is. He Well, he couldn't <laughs> camp anywhere but a gay campground, I think. It would become a gay campground it would if be it wasn't exactly. one already. Exactly. <laughs> so he's doing that. He'll be back next week. Or no, I'm sorry, the week after next. He's gone for two weeks. Um, yeah, so he's camping and that's probably, I mean, he'll get your message probably on the way home. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and I actually, um, on, on the political side, I think yeah. I had something happen to me that has never happened in my life before. Everybody I voted for won. Wow. We know that wow. didn't happen in the last two presidential elections. Right. So <laughs> right. This is we, very exciting. We can guess that that didn't happen for you. Very exciting. Yeah, that yeah. is, you know, I was going to wait till Dan got back to talk about elections. Um, hey, but, but if he was off camping. What, he doesn't know yeah. about it anyway, right. right? Right. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's really cool. Um, somebody, I saw a blog today um, about Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, and it said apparently, um, or they said, I will not become b- er, before E as long as I'm mayor, you know, because both Schreiber and Hefty have 
that odd spelling. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was really funny, but maybe that's because I'm a kind of a English nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're thrilled about uh, Rebecca Warren. Yes. Um, and of course, you know, being the Democratic nominee for the 53rd district means. She's going to win. She's going to win, right. <laughs> so, right. Then she's take our, that Chris Kolb seat. Right. Uh, he's term limited. Mm-hmm. And and if we can't have somebody gay, you can't get too much gay friendlier than Rebecca Warren. Right. So right. Um, she probably did more to help defeat um, Prop 2 than any straight person in the state. So right. um, we're thrilled that she's going to be in there. Yeah, I think it's awesome, too. And coming from a great place, working with Mayroll and now... Right. I mean, it's just awesome. She really, she knows Lansing, and she's going to be able to do a great job. And if anyone has been able to be effective in this political climate while working with Mayroll, this this speaks volumes about um, uh, her ability to not just be a progressive, but be a progressive who can um, work to get things done. Right. Right, and can get people who aren't progressive to listen to her. Right, because we certainly have, you know, we've sent our share of gadflies from Ann Arbor <laughs> to Lansing. <laughs> the ones who like, yeah, he speaks his mind for us, and but gets nothing done. Um, right. And, and so between... Um, Charlotte Chris. is not <laughs> excited about this election talk. So I'm Danielle's so going to leave us for a minute. <laughs> well, maybe we should do something about uh, lowering the voting age to there you six go. months. There you and go. Then, and, and then in November then, she'll be able to vote. And right, and and then there'd be interest. Exactly. exactly. That's he doesn't. She doesn't think it affects her. <laughs> She's not interested. And and how many people don't vote because they don't think it affects them, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Too many. Most of the people who don't vote, vote don't vote for that reason. Yeah, I heard a great uh, quote a while ago when I was um, passing it around my emails for the last week or so that um, bad politicians are chosen by good people who choose not to vote. Mm. So. That's very good Isn't and very great? true. I wish I remember who it was. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Very true. And some interesting news out of Connecticut with the election. Yes, indeed. You and, know, and I am just livid with him about this idea of running as an independent. Yeah. And and it's not that I have anything against third parties. I think we should have third and fourth and fifth parties. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if you are a Democrat and you you run in a primary and then what your party decides in that primary who's going to be the um, uh, um, party's candidate, and then you gracefully say, you were the winner, and now I support you. Mm-hmm. And and doing anything else is what enables um, people who are anti-LGBT um, to get in. So uh-huh. I'm I'm just livid with him over this yeah. idea that he believes he he's an exception. It shows that really at his heart, Joe Lieberman is about Joe Lieberman being in power. Right. Because that's the only reason he could possibly be doing this. Right. Right. It, it's very frustrating that he did that. It's shock. It's it. I was shocking is too strong. It's the surprise that he lost. But I think it's it stands to reason that he lost it's logical that he lost and it's uh, i mean it's absolutely a um i think that it's probably scaring the hell out of a lot of incumbents particularly those who are in support of the war and what's going on in the middle east um i think that it's really going to shake things up and you're right what he's doing is going to serve to split the vote and it's going to cause that part of you know it's going to cause connecticut to be represented by somebody who's not really who the people want. 
That's it's very possible. We certainly hope that. Right, it's possible. Um, we certainly hope that uh, what's going to happen because already every major um, Democrat in Connecticut has said we're supporting the winner, and mm-hmm. the winner is Ned Lamont. Um, re- please reconsider Joe, and Joe has made it adamantly clear that he is not going to reconsider no matter who asks him, which is which is very sad. It is. Um, but uh, uh, and and um, you know the the. Our future um, as Democrats depends so much upon us defining ourselves in ways that are um, um, that are different. I mean, one of the things I love that Howard Dean has been saying as DNC chair, and I'm not saying he's been a perfect DNC chair. Um, certainly he's made some um, big gaffes to the gay community. Um, but one of the things um, I do like is he says, we don't have to change a single value as Democrats. We just have to change how we talk about them. The problem is that so many of the people entrenched in power believe that in order to stay in power, they have to kowtow um, to power. They're not speaking truth to power. And, um, and, mm-hmm. and you know, Lieberman is the, you know, obviously one of the um, uh, most obvious um, cases of that. But certainly up and down the Democratic Party. I mean, we saw it in Prop 2. You know, the the right. um, Democrats were running scared from the gay community. It was like, oh, you are the kiss of death. You're the kiss of death. And, you know, so many polls have shown that that's just not true, right. that um, that Americans believe in fair treatment. And if you are able to get the message out that this is what it's about, then, you know, people are going to stand by you and especially people um, progressives. And there are lots of progressives out there. But instead, we're letting the Republicans decide the message Mm -hmm. and not only decide the message, but then rephrase it um, ourselves. And it's just it's really um, upsetting. It is. And frustrating for sure. So instead of that, let's talk about books. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see. Um, And I didn't bring my usual huge stack. I thought I would um, try and do less of a. You know, oh, let's just um, list off as many titles as we can. Um, Just brought a few things that are um, new or in the news or something along those lines. One is Fun Home, Alison Bechdel's um, graphic memoir. Um, It is just amazing. Most people know, of course, Alison Bechdel from the Dykes to Watch Out For series. Mm -hmm. Um, Also spectacular. Also spectacular. Absolutely. And this is uh, something very different from that. This is uh, a memoir of her and particularly her relationship with her father. And it was a very um, um, odd relationship. Uh, It turns out her father was gay in an era when that there was barely a word for it, let alone um, mm-hmm. someone who was a um, husband and father being able to um, articulate that in any way. And um, uh, it's, um, in fact, the subtitle of the subtitle is Fun Home, a Family Tragic Comic. And, mm-hmm. and it is indeed a tragic comic. But this thing is just amazing. It um, uh, has been getting... Um, reviews from from the mainstream press that are right. um, blowing it away um uh i think it was time magazine called it one of the um five best memoirs of the decade um so it's a, it's really good and and in fact the publisher this is not her usual publisher and i'm not sure why that it, um was but she went with a uh, a more mainstream publisher Houghton Mifflin 
um, for this one. And I, I think probably because she felt that there would be more of a mainstream audience, so go with the more mainstream um, publisher. Um, but they just had no idea. And mm-hmm. uh, this thing sold out. I think I had about a dozen and a half um, when it came out. And I could not get more because it sold out everywhere. Yeah, it's just, it's all the rage. Yeah. And so there was about six weeks and they couldn't get it reprinted fast enough. There were six weeks where nobody had it, which was um, unfortunate for Allison um, because, you know, she had all this great publicity going on. She was on, Mm -hmm. you know, talk shows. She was on NPR, all of this sort of thing. And people who wanted her book couldn't get it. Um, So, but it is available again now and we have it and... So, um, right. I, yeah, it's it is really people are just talking about this play, this book all over the place. Um, and in fact, I just heard earlier this week that Alison Bechtel is coming to U of M in October. I, that's what I've heard. The um, in fact, they uh, um, uh, Gabe at the um, LGBT office is mm-hmm. the one um, who's spearheading it. Um, it's it, I, I guess they must have found underwriting for it because it's going to be an expensive thing to bring. Yeah, her it in. is expensive. Um, but they must have because they did announce that the. Um, that they're bringing her in. So that's very exciting. It's, it is very exciting. And that's in part, we'll talk to the LGBTA folks later this month, but that's in conjunction with their um, National Coming Out Day stuff. And you have Alison Bechtel come in. You know, what an appropriate time to have her come and talk when it's, uh, you know, related to this memoir that's about her father and the pain around that. And right, and his inability to come Right, out. his inability to. And and indeed, that's, you know, so much of, of National Coming Out Day's message is that coming out is healthy. Mm-hmm. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for your relationships. You may not think so beforehand. Right. But it really is, ultimately. You may be freaked out, but... Yeah. So what else you got? Well, um, along the lines of uh, National Coming Out Day, I got a call um, this morning from um, a publicist for uh, Inga Muschio. I believe that's the way her name's pronounced. Um, She's the woman who wrote uh, Cunt. Oh, can I say that? You can because you're referring to a book. You're not calling a body part or a person that. Um, (laughs) Subtitled A Declaration of Independence. Yeah, it's a fabulous book. It's just incredible. The second edition came out about four years ago, I believe. and uh, it's yeah, it's it's just an amazing book, and and we continue to sell a lot of it. It's a fem- feminist manifesto for this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just uh, astonishing. And she recently wrote a um, a new manifesto. Um, it's a, in the form of an autobiography, but it really is more manifesto than autobiography. Called autobiography of a blue-eyed devil: my life and times in a racist imperialist society. Yeah. And um and she is on a book tour and is going to be coming through Ann Arbor at the end of September. Fabulous. And we don't as I say I just got the call so we're still working out the details but they had originally proposed the 29th and I'm looking at my calendar and thinking Hmm. How about if you make it the next day and we do this um, in conjunction with rap celebration of National Coming yeah, Out Day? Yeah, that's Fest. great. Yeah, and um, really everyone great. got pretty excited about that idea. So I'm, I hope we'll be able to work that out. Yeah. At the very least, we'll have her at the bookstore on that day, um, and uh, um, hopefully, we can also get her involved in. National Coming Out Day, you know, maybe doing a reading of some mm-hmm. sort from the podium or something. Right, right. Yeah. That's great. 
So very excited about that. And hot off the presses, so to speak, with that news. Yes, exactly. Yeah, just got that call this morning. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's do this one next, sort of in the culture scene. Yeah. Um, This has actually been around a little while. This is uh, the play I Am My Own Wife by Doug Wright. Um, Martin and I had the pleasure of seeing this on Broadway, directed by Moises Kaufman, starring Jefferson Mays, and, and of course, uh, with the playwright Doug Wright. And um, it's about um, a transvestite in Germany um, who went by the name Charlotte von Malsdorf. And um, Charlotte was, uh, survived Nazi Germany and uh, communist East Germany as, um, as a fairly open transvestite. Um, which in itself is an amazing story. Absolutely. As Doug Wright says at one point, because Doug is a character in his own play, um, as he says, you shouldn't even exist. Um, it is a one-person play, and there are 35 characters in it. And wow. it's being done right now at the Performance Network with Malcolm Tulip. It is astonishing. I saw it uh, opening night. I'm going again this coming Sunday. Um, it is just, uh, um, first of all, a tour de force by Malcolm. Um, but it, it's such a great play. I really encourage everyone to um, check that out at, at the Performance Network. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, um, and and. It, in spite of the fact that this sounds like an impossibility, this person surviving, right. um, a big part of the the play is about um, a search for how did she survive this? He, he when he first he the playwright Doug Wright first heard about her, his first reaction was, "I'm looking for heroes, someone who could survive um, Nazi East Germany in heels. This is a hero." Of course, she usually wore very sensible shoes. Um, (laughs) But, um, uh, and he discovers that maybe she's not so heroic. And so the the play Mm -hmm. is not just about her, but also about Doug's discovery of um, her life and, and sort of how we judge people when we're in no position to judge them. It's Mm -hmm. very powerful, Um, and in spite of the fact that when you say very powerful and all of that, you you may think like, oh, boy, this is going to be a depressing couple of hours. It is highly entertaining. This is just a great, great play. What a great description. I mean, that's really a compelling description, I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I really do. we when we saw it in New York, we were just blown away. And in fact, it's funny because we walked out of the theater and we said, "Performance Network has got to do this, and Malcolm's got a star." Um, and and lo and behold, it's come to pass. We were also joking, in fact, with Malcolm shortly after that that he should direct it as well, and then he could be "I am my own director." <laughs> um, but uh, Jillian Eaton was the dire- is the director who is um, a, a marvelous talent herself. So, and it's interesting because none of them saw the Broadway production. And so if they were basing it on anything, there was a documentary that was done uh, around and maybe a little bit before when um, Doug was doing all of his interviews because Doug um, interviewed her. And this is based on a lot of those interviews. And this documentary um, stars her, of course. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, It's called I Am My Own Woman. So mm. there's, that theme just keeps coming around. Right, right. Uh, let's see. 
before we get to the book clubs, um, another sort of cultural event, not on uh, the not a play, but still in the theater, but the big screen. Night Listener just came out last week. Um, Robin Williams, based on, and and uh, Tony Collette. Uh, great performance by Tony Collette, um, and it's based on the um, novel by Armistead Maupin. Um, it's uh, the the novel. I loved the novel. Um, and there's a new edition, of course, out with Robin right, Williams with their on, the, on it. Right, right, right. The movie tie-in edition, as they call it, but uh, there's no pre- no change other otherwise. Um, but uh, uh, it's it's a very psychological um, novel, and it is based on some, um, uh, some experiences that Maupin himself had had um, with uh, um, having uh, communications with. Um, a young boy who had um, AIDS and had um, been in this abusive um, situation. He was now with a foster um, parent, but had been like, you know, used in sex Mm -hmm. clubs and all of this sort of thing. And um, Armistead's partner listens in at one point and hears the the, um, pass off from foster mother to child and says to um, uh, Armistead, I think that's the same person. And uh, it's a lot of ambiguity around that, and Mm -hmm. that's sort of the suspense. Is it or isn't it? And um, it's, uh, I think it's a better novel than movie. That's not unusual, of course. Right. (laughs) Um, Almost always the case. It it seemed like what they tried to do was turn it into a horror suspense thriller, which it isn't. Um, But it is certainly suspenseful and has that sort of thriller aspect to it. Um, So, you know, if you you like Armistead Maupin... um, uh, this is very different than Tales of the City or maybe The Moon, but it's still an incredibly well-written book. Um, and I encourage you to see the movie, too, just to compare and contrast, right. as my professors used to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I to use another example, I, have, I read Harry Potter, think the books are great, the movies are great, too. Just different. (laughs) Exactly. And as long as they do a good job of recognizing that it's a different medium, um, that's that's fine. Right. Right. It's when in fact, oftentimes it's when they're trying to be slavishly um, uh, loyal to Mm -hmm. the book that you get the worst movie. One of the exceptions, oddly enough, being Brokeback Mountain. It, yeah, whole lines like right. whole th- like it reads it, the movie watches just like the story. I know, it's, it's, and very well, it's done in, very well. Incredible, right? It's one of the few yeah. exceptions to that. Yeah, one. I actually read the story after I saw the movie, um, because I when I first saw that movie was very overwrought. It mm-hmm. it really wrecked me. Um, it was a very challenging movie for me, and friends of mine recommended I read the story to sort of. Because I had a lot of questions. Did this happen? Re- right. the, like, how did that happen? Was that like? It's, I'm trying not to give anything away. If there's somebody <laughs> who hasn't seen it, but there were just things For I the wanted. Two people out there who haven't. Right. Seen it, I just right. wanted to know more, <laughs> essentially. And so they su- suggested I read the story. But in their suggestion, they said, "But don't expect too much more information because it's almost exactly <laughs> like the movie." <laughs> but it did actually help me understand a little better, just because I could take my own time. Right. With the story and read a paragraph five times if I needed to. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's almost, you know, page for page. 
Right. Yeah, very well done. Unlike uh, some of the other adaptation of Annie Prue, what was it? Oh, oh yeah. I'm not going to remember the name of the novel now. Um, and it was a stunning novel, her first novel, and they made it into a movie that was just awful. Oh, good, you're looking it up for me. What did we do before the internet? We suffered a we lot. Suffered we had a lot. lot of exactly a lot of. Um, Hard times with this, <laughs> with not knowing. Let's see, bio. Well, let's see. Everyone at home, you can play along with us. Yeah. What? See the. It doesn't actually have <laughs> the shipping news. Shipping news. There we go. Thank you very much. I knew <laughs> when I thought I would know. And would that take uh, 25 seconds? That's okay, right. not too bad. I love the internet. <laughs> the internet is awesome. Uh, and let's see. Then the last couple of things I brought were are for um, um, book club stuff. And if you are interested in any of the book clubs, um, I do have links to both the book clubs on my website. So that's glbtbooks.com. Oh, that's very helpful. And there are two um, two book clubs that um, meet. There's also a third one that's a political online book club. So they just discuss online um, th- that I also link to there. Um, but the two that meet uh, are Les Reed. Um, Kim Lombardini uh, moderates that group. And um, they meet on the last Saturday of the month, and they meet at Common Language, though here with the nice weather, they're usually on the patio and having cocktails. Right. Um, and who can blame them? And who can blame them, exactly. <laughs> and um, uh, the, the other is the um, what used to be known as the Queer Book Club? Yeah. Is that its former name? That's its former name. How quickly I forget. And uh, they now are the Rainbow Reading Club or Rainbow Book Club. Something. Rainbow Book Club, I think. Yeah. I don't think I've changed the name on my site, so y'all have to follow the link (laughs) to to find that out. It's the same one. (laughs) It's the same one. Um, And it's actually been around for some 20 years and um, with different people moderating over the years. And Kevin Coria um, is currently doing that. um, and has done a great job with um, uh, putting together a little website for it, and and um, and all. And these two book clubs decided to have a joint meeting this month. Right now, so they're going to um, meet on um, Saturday the twenty sixth, four p.m. at Gallup Park. And if you follow these links, all that information will be there. And they are reading a seahorse year. So um, that's it, which is. So both book clubs are reading the same book. Both books are reading the same book, and they're going to have a joint meeting. Um, so that that'll be a lot of fun because um, uh, they're they're different groups, but the in many ways, and the, and I've sat in on both of them, and mm-hmm. and there's a very different feel to both of them, but. They both share a love of books, so it'll be a, I think yeah. it'll be a fun meeting for them. That's cool. And and it is, um, I still have not read this, which I, I just, I don't know why not, because Kelly, common language former owner Kelly, um, refers to it as the best lesbian novel written in years. Wow, so, that's high yeah, praise. Exactly, from Kelly, who after a while was just like, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired of hearing best anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she 
highly recommends it, and and I must get it. Maybe I could read it by the 26th. There you and, go, and you can go to the joint meeting. Them. Yeah. So that's anyway. That's uh, at the end of this month. Um, so it's shortly after that, then the um, uh, Rainbow Reading Club will be having their regular meeting because they meet the second Sunday, um, and they meet at RAP. Um, and they have um, Ann Arbor South 98 is what they're going to be doing at that meeting. Yeah, I'm intrigued. You are intrigued as well. You should be. It actually um, it is not really placed in Ann Arbor. Okay. Um, he is from southeastern Michigan, Scott Harris, the author. Um, and and really the novel doesn't place it in any particular location. It could be any high school. Right. Um, but uh, I think he, was, uh, he t- told me he was driving along 94 and just saw a sign that said Ann Arbor South. And he thought, oh, there's the name of my high school since there isn't one. <laughs> right, um, right. It, it just sounded like the right one to do. So Ann Arbor South 96. And it's a um, uh, not so much a coming of age story. Uh, and, and thank goodness because there are enough of those out there. Sure there are. Um, but it's more of a um, what still happens in high schools mm-hmm. um, in terms of the violence that happens um, to gays and um, and really anyone who's a little bit different. Right. So, um, so uh, and Scott is going to be um, at that meeting. So oh, he's great. So he's going to come in from... Uh, one of the Detroit burbs. I forget where it is he lives now. It's sort of all kind of blend <laughs> together anyway, right? Right. And, and he does actually know Ann Arbor because he went to school at U of M. Right. But, uh, well, that's so. great. That's really, really, that's great. Yeah. So they're going to have the author there, and that's exciting too. It is. So, it's very so cool. So lots of author stuff coming up. There sure is. Scott Harris and uh, um, Allison Bechdel. Um, and, and Inga Musio. Right, Inga Musio, yeah. Did I re- get that right? Yeah, yep. okay. Yeah, that's a lot of great, exciting stuff. It would yeah. be, yeah, That's. it looks like it's going to be a very authory fall. It is. <laughs> and, and I just realized one other thing that I forgot to grab on the way out. Annie has a new CD out, Reprieve. Oh. Yep, so can come check that out as well. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I want to, another radio station also based in Ann Arbor has been putting Annie on heavy rotation, which is kind Mm. of interesting. She's not Mm. a commercial radio kind of gal. No. But they have, I've heard her at least five times in the last week. Wow. So that's sort of impressive, I think, Mm. for them. They're they're a pretty good station. You know, they're very okay. Ann Arbor focused. So anyway, yeah, well, that's cool. Definitely check that out. Um, in Common Language is in Braun Court, 317. 317. 317 Braun Court next to the Out Bar. Um, you can get a new book and then go sit on the patio and have a cocktail, right? You certainly can. And read it all afternoon or evening. Um, well, great, Keith. Thank you so much um, for coming by and bringing all these great books, uh, especially the stuff for the the book club. I that. I, I actually know people who've ended up going to the book club because they've heard about the book on here. So. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so it's great. So thanks again, and we'll see you, I guess, in a month. Very good. Cool. Thanks, Keith, Thank very much. you. Well, Danielle's back with us. Hello, hello. Hello. She She's not a reader, so she left for the discussion of books, although that's not I'm really not. true. She's not a reader, but it's not true that that's why she's left. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Jody Longobardo. Um, former Miss Pittsburgh Leather, and we're going to talk a little bit about BDSM 101. So stick around for that.
Hi, this is Jeremy Merklinger from the Washtenaw Rainbow Action Project, your TBLG Resource Center at 325 Broncourt. Check us out online at www.rap-up.org or call us at 734-995-9867. Thanks for listening to WCBN, and don't forget to listen to me on Clauses Are for Clothes on the third Wednesday of every month from 6 to 7 p.m. We are back, and that is how, again, you teach a mole to dance. I taught, I told Dan that last week. I have to tell you that this week. That's how you teach a mole to dance. And Alex is working very hard getting Jody on the phone. And you know what I wanted to do, say for my check-in, and I totally forgot, is that I was attacked by wasps on Saturday. Oh, yes. How could we forget? How could we forget the, the trauma yes, it was that we all endured for our entire family? Our entire family. And a very good friend of ours. And a very good friend of ours. It was very rough. I was apparently wasps slash yellow jackets are the same thing, which I didn't know until this incident. The internet informed us of that. Um, Can build a nest very quickly. They can build, like 15,000 of them can build like a giant one by one nest and like, Two days, if you're mm-hmm. not paying attention. So that's what happened to, at our house. And I was I was coming out of the house and was buzzed by one on the top of my head. And I swatted at it thinking it was some random bug. Then our friend, who was also there, came out of our house and swatted at it again. And apparently the other thing I learned, actually Jody, who we're about to talk to on the phone, informed me that apparently they have this pheromone mm-hmm. that they emit when one of them gets hurt or injured or swatted at or whatever that is like this instant angry pill for all the other wasps and oh, yellow jackets yes. and it that's, certainly was and they swarm and try to attack mm-hmm. and it was crazy it was like an alfred hitchcock movie was it not it was it was very much like an alfred hitchcock movie and, and you were in the house scary. feeding our baby yes, I was in and the i house was nursing I, st- I was going i just decided i well what i did was we both got buzzed i didn't see the nest didn't see the angry bugs whatever and i was going into our house and one of them landed on my ear and stung me instantly and so at that moment, I dropped what I was carrying in, which happened to be a box of crystal and a VCR. Yes, unfortunately. But <laughs> what whatever. matters most is that you're okay. Yes. Well, I and then I was stung a couple more times in my arm. Mm-hmm. You thought dogs were attacking me because I was screaming about somebody biting me. Yes. It was really, really, um, it was really intense. Yes. So I would just, I want to tell people, you know, look about you. Yes, it it was just amazing once we noticed. I mean, this thing was nearly the size of a basketball hanging from the roof of our home, um, which is a bi-level. And so it's, you know, we don't always look at the top roof, but it was pretty amazing that this thing was there. Like overnight. Yes. And yeah. we went in and out of our front door for, you know, how Carried many our, days? Our three-month-old infant in yes, and out of our door. Which is very scary. It was very scary. So anyway, I... I can talk about the wasp incident for all night because it was so traumatic, but we have Jody Longobardo with us. Hi, Jody. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. We are actually, I know I told you earlier that it would just be me, but I actually talked Danielle into joining me um, so that hey, I would, Hello. I wouldn't have to do this by myself because radio <laughs> coasting a, co, or hosting a radio show is a little challenging when you're all by yourself. <laughs> what if, you know, I suddenly ran out of things to say. There's nobody to help me out. So, well, as yeah. I, I said in your introduction um, before you were with us that you're a former Miss Pittsburgh Leather. You've been um, practicing in the BDSM community for about 18 years. So um, I think that qualifies you as an authority and somebody we can <laughs> ask a lot of questions of. Um 
So actually, I'm going to let Danielle ask the first question, and we'll jump right in. Well, why don't we okay. just why don't we start with something really basic? So, what exactly is BDSM? Well, um, BDSM is kind of like a portmanteau word that it has been used to describe a whole bunch of different activities. Um, in general, it stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. Okay. Um, to be more generalized than that, um, I'd say it describes a situation where people tend to um, eroticize or enjoy strong sensations or other experiences that most people would find un- unpleasant in other situations. Okay, okay. For example, you know, some people enjoy pain in uh, a BDSM situation, whereas they might not enjoy it if they stubbed their toe, for example. Right, right, right. right. So basically what you're saying is you're... Um, that there's a difference between BDSM and, like, violence or abuse or, you know, enjoying accidental pain or whatever, that it's it's an eroticization, that's a word I can never say, but of <laughs> of the pain itself or of extreme sensation. Yes, definitely. Um, there's definitely a difference between violence and abuse and BDSM. Um, I'd say the foremost difference and most important difference is the one of consent, um, in the SM community, it's very important that all parties are totally consenting to everything that goes on, whereas obviously, you know, with violence or abuse, the, you know, the victim is not consenting to what's happening. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so I've heard people talk about a dominant, submissive, or a DS relationship, um, and and that's just, usually in my what I've heard people talk about it. It's talked about in specific terms of a relationship, not a situation. You know what I mean? Not like an incident. What does that relationship mean? What is you know what well, is the I mean, it means a lot of different things to different people. It's hard to really you know put it in a box. Um, but in general, I would say it, it means a situation in which one person is giving up. Um, their power voluntarily to another person, and that might be in the context of um, a relationship or it might be in the context of, you know, a a scene for an evening. Right. Um, The primary feature, I'd say, of a DS relationship is that there's an imbalance in power between the, the participants, and, of course, that's totally consensual. Right, it's planned and consensual. Right. Yes. Um, it can take. Oh, did we lose you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, uh. it can take different forms um, and, you know, different archetypes like master slave, um, daddy boy, uh, you know, various, right. various terms that people use. Yeah, I can definitely um, see how that would. Be confused, confusing for people who are used to talking about power imbalances in terms of abuse and violence. And um, it's helpful to remind ourselves about the consent aspect of it, for sure. Um, some other, I mean, I understand that this is we're doing really basic, like twenty-minute conversation about this. And of course, sure. there's a million things that we could talk about. But I th- also think that there's some terms that we hear that we don't necessarily. Um, 
always understand what they mean. What's a top? Right, yeah. What's a bottom? What are those? What are those roles? A top, uh, in general, is the is the person who's doing things to the other person, or who's directing the play or whatever is going on. Um, whereas the bottom is the person who's having the stuff done to them, or is having stuff required of them. Um, and some people also use the words top and bottom to indicate like uh, a BDSM relationship or scene that's not so much about the dominance and submission, but more about, um, you know, the sensation and stuff like that. Um, like maybe someone say, well, I'm not a submissive, I'm a bottom. And by that mean that they they don't necessarily want to, you know, let another person control every aspect of their life or even uh, anything uh, specific in a scene, but more wants to give themselves over to the sensation that the top would produce in them. Right, so the sort of a, a bottoming is the less psychological role. That, Like I said, that's one, that's one definition I think one that definition. some people okay. use. And then other people use bottom just just to designate, like, the catcher, if you will, the person right, who right. is, you know, receiving a thing. Right, okay. That's a good distinction to make. How do you um, ensure safety during these kinds of things, during a scene? I heard you use that term earlier. What kinds of things do people do to ensure that they, they're safe? Like, what if something goes too far? Well, um, generally, a lot of people... Uh, choose to use a safe word. A uh, safe word is uh, a phrase or a action that is done to indicate that the play has gone too far, that you need the top to back off from what's happening, to stop what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, most people use like a word that they wouldn't normally say in, in the situation, um, not no, because, you know, maybe you might find it erotic to pretend to be protesting. Mm -hmm. So you'd say no, 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 but you don't really want the person to stop. Um, So usually it's either something like uh, aardvark that you just wouldn't say, or it's something like a lot of people use red or yellow to indicate that they want uh, the, the activity to stop. And I think that's a really good way to ensure that, you know, consent is continuing. And another important thing with safety is uh, to do a good negotiation beforehand. And what's a negotiation? A negotiation is where um, the parties involved discuss a whole bunch of different things that might come into play with the scene. Um, First, you might want to discuss what both of you are hoping to get out of the scene, you know, the bottom might say, I'd like to be spanked. The top might say, well, I'd like a foot massage. And then, you know, they see if they can kind of work out between them what activities will make them both happy. Um, Then you would discuss things like limits. Limits are things that you just don't want to happen at all during the scene mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Like, uh, I don't like someone to use a belt on me. I don't want any marks. I, we have to practice safer sex. Um, and you'd also discuss medical issues like uh, 
you have bad knees, for example, that would might affect whether you could kneel for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have asthma, so uh, I need to have my inhaler by me. Where the top can also, you know, have limits like, oh, I have carpal tunnel, so I can't really flog you for very long. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and if you have any kind of traumatic experiences in your past, sometimes that's a good thing to bring up um, just so the top doesn't doesn't accidentally uh, trigger you in any way mm-hmm. that would be unpleasant. Right. And then, of course, there's different, you know, there are safety procedures for each each activity that you participate right. in. Right, and that's, that is something I would love to talk about, and I think our listeners would love to hear, but it's so specific to each activity that right. you're doing, right. you know. I mean, suffice it to say, like, if you're going to tie people up, don't use a scarf. You know, like, that's something we can say right. yeah, just yeah. sort of as a, as a guideline, but... Um, but there's lots of information out there. And speaking of that, if folks wanted to get more information, either, you know, there's a couple of ways that they can want more information. You know, either they want to know these safety techniques um, or they want to um, get more information about just even what we've already talked about. What are some right. places that you recommend people can look? Um, if they have access to the Internet, um, maybe they could go to uh, wikipedia.org and look up BDSM on there. Oh, that's great. Um, that has mm-hmm. a lot of resources linked off of that. Um, with that. And obviously you can just search for BDSM on Google, and you'll also find a lot of resources, you know, some better than others. You have to take everything with a grain of salt, obviously. Of course. Um, then if, if you don't have access to the Internet, um, there's always books about, uh, BDSM usually in the erotica or sex and relationship section or the gay and lesbian section sometimes at a bookstore. Also, the if there's a gay or alternative bookstore, they usually have stuff about SM there. Um, right. And also information about groups that you might want to attend. There's a lot of times there's support groups or social groups for people who are into or interested in this kind of stuff. Yeah, and really quickly, I just want to drop a local plug-in. There's a group that meets at the Washington Rainbow Action Project here in Ann Arbor called um, TNG. It's the next generation of BDSM. And they, uh, you can contact RAP at 998-9867 to get more information about that group if you, in fact, are interested. Um, they don't really turn anyone away, but they are specifically a group for younger folks. Um, so they sort of top out at 35, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't give you information or let you come if you're older than 35. So, just so... When but I, over 18 or 21, right? Yeah, so of course it's over 18. <laughs> but it's definitely, it's just a, that's why they call themselves the next generation. Um, and RAP would have that information. Again, that number is 998-9867. Um, so, you've, you've made some good suggestions about people getting more information and even meeting um, other people. Is there anything... You know, when you've talked about BDSM in the past or, or, you know, people have had questions for you, is there anything that you've always wanted to make sure people knew um, that they walked away knowing that this one piece of information about BDSM? Um, one is that it, it's, it's not abuse, that it's, you know, it really can be a very beautiful interaction between people um, that makes both of them very happy and 
Also, another thing is that if you are someone who's interested in those sorts of things, that you shouldn't feel guilty or bad or anything like that, that it's a totally normal, um, you know, variation in sexual orientation, and there are a lot of people like you. That's a really helpful thing to know, and it's good to remind people of that, and I think that our listeners in particular, um, because this is a gay show, we're all gay here, um, all varieties of gay, um, (laughs) (laughs) that, that, you know, who already have maybe dealt with some crap around their sexuality and their sexual orientation that, you know, if they find themselves intrigued by this or even, you know, beyond intrigued and pursuing it, that it's important to remind them that there's still nothing wrong with you. You know, this is just a different manifestation um, you, you know, sometimes even people who are accepting about, you know, someone being gay and lesbian or bisexual or whatever are are not accepting of people who are into BDSM. Right. There's sort of a leather closet. You know, you have to exactly. come out of that as well. And it can be tough and scary and can actually do some, you know, alienate you folks from even the community they already that they already found, that they already sought right. out. Um, because they were um, different or what have you. Well, Jody, I want to thank you very, very much. We had a lot of fun um, talking to you tonight. We also, I enjoyed our exchanges planning this interview. It was a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate it. And actually, we look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. we'll see you at No Lose. So um, enjoy the rest of August, and we'll see you um, on Labor Day. Oh, you too. Thank you for the opportunity. Sure, thank you. Have a great night. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was all really helpful information. Yes, and, very much so. You know, I we joke around here a lot about talking about sex, but I don't think we actually talk about sex as much as we should. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, and so I decided while Dan the Prude was away that I was going to do a bunch of shows talking about sex. Well, now's the time. Right, exactly. Dan's so prudish and he's out of here. So <laughs> probably having the GBS in Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to, and that, that's why we brought um, Jody on the show. And again, I want to thank her taking time out of her day. She's actually in Brooklyn, New York. So we are able to get her on the on the show. Um, and next week we'll be talking, actually Jeremy Merklinger from RAP is going to be our my co-host next week. Um, so we'll be able to, I'm going to ask him about his sex life. See what, no, not really. I don't know. I'm just, we're going to talk some more about sex. So um, it was great to have you, Danielle. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For joining me and bringing baby Charlotte with you. You're welcome. And uh, we will see you the same time, same place next week on Closets Are For Clothes. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Closets Are For Clothes on WCBN FM 88.3 Radio Free Ann Arbor. You can contact us by calling 734-763-3500. That's 763-3500. Or you can write us here at the station at 530-SAB Ann Arbor, Michigan 48109. Or at our Ipsy office, you can reach us at P.O. Box 980070, Ypsilanti, Michigan 48198. The views and opinions expressed on Closets Are For Clothes are solely those of their speakers and are not the opinions of WCBN or our licensees, the regents of the University of Michigan. For Dan Burns, I'm Christy Cardinal. See you at the same time, same place, next week, Wednesday from 6 to 7. Peace.
this clown. And he was a real happy guy, a real happy guy. He had all these greens and all these yellows and all these oranges bubbling around inside of him. And he had just one thing he wanted in this world. He just wanted to make people laugh. That's all he wanted out of this world. He was a real happy guy. tell you about this clown. He used to raise a sweat every night out on that stage and just wouldn't stop. That's how hard he worked. He was trying to make people laugh. He used to have this cute little gimmick where he had a seal follow him up and down a stepladder, blowing Columbia the gem of the ocean on a B-flat Sears Roebuck model 1322A plastic bugle, a real cute act. But they didn't laugh. Ah, oh, you know, a few little things here and there, but not really. And he was booking out in all these tank towns, playing the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis Club and the American Legion Hall. And he just wasn't making it. And he had all these wonderful things going on inside of him, all these greens and yellows and all these oranges. He's a real happy guy. And all he wanted to do was to make people laugh. That's all he wanted out of this world was to make people laugh. And then something began to grow. Something that just wasn't good began to grow inside of this guy. 